Hey, hey, friends. Welcome to the Lens of Faith podcast. Today, I'm excited to welcome a special guest, Kaya Jones, former member of the Pussycat Dolls. She lived that Hollywood life as a singer, a dancer, but God delivered her from that dark world, and now she is shining bright for Jesus. Hey, how are you? How are you? I feel like you're my soul sister. You know, we're so similar, and I just love everything you're doing. Amen. I love it. You have an amazing testimony, but what really draws me to you is that you are bold, you're outspoken, you're fearless, you'll speak truth, you'll call out the secrets of Hollywood, you'll call out darkness, but most importantly, you are bold about your faith in Jesus Christ, and I love it. So Kaya, this is a Holy Spirit-led podcast. So you have the freedom to share whatever it is that God puts on your heart. You know, we want to hear your story, your testimony, and all that God is doing in your life. My program is unfiltered, and I cover all the hot topics. (laughs) Let's go there. Amen. Okay. (laughs) Amen. Let's go. So I don't know much about the Pussycat Dolls, but I know that you were one of the founders of the group, that you were singers and dancers. Where are you originally from? Las Vegas. Oh, okay. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, right? I feel like it doesn't though, because it has Vegas has more cameras than any other state in the world. And so that's what's so crazy is that literally it's like what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. I'm like, but that's not true because there's so many cameras everywhere. You know what I mean? Like I don't know. I just feel like, <laughs> right, I don't right. Know. Well, it's definitely a place of perversion and greed, that's for sure. I mean, it's called Sin City for a reason, right? Yeah. So Kaya, share with us a little bit about your background and the road that led you to join the Pussycat Dolls. Being, you know, a little girl and my dad being incarcerated at a young age and he didn't do anything wrong. It was, he sold his company, but he sold his contact list. And in 1993, that was illegal to do in the state of Nevada. That was considered telemarketing, even though it wasn't. So what people do freely with our information now, my father went to federal prison for and um, that split our home. And that was really hard. And I mean, like, those are the kinds of things that you go through as a child. And would I have gone into the music industry if that had happened? No, I would have gone into medicine because I would have had, you know, my dad financially there in the home to be able to help me want to go to medical school. But, you know, now looking back, it had to happen because look, I'm here now and my dad is a stronger Christian now and his wife is a strong Christian now. And like all these things had to happen for us to get to where we are. And so even in the darkness, that's where, you know, God really seeps in. Going into the music industry, I, I didn't really think that it was going to be sinister, difficult or any of those things. I kind of had this very open mind of just, you know, wanting to fulfill my dreams and focus on music. And, um, and I didn't encounter, I, I, or I didn't see it anyway, not to say that there weren't things that were happening. I just, it never encountered it until I was in the Pussycat Dolls. Being in the Pussycat Dolls was a great stepping stone, but it was just, it started to get really, a lot of what people I think are seeing now in the industry, I was dealing with that from back then. And, um, and it was pretty bad, you know, sacrificing your children for fame, sacrificing literally like, you know, if you're pregnant, get rid of it. I mean, that's a hard, so there are a lot of the abortions, uh, is not, it, it's, it's pretty normalized in the industry for your career, you know, do whatever it takes. 
Holy Spirit put on my heart to actually share my story about the abortions I've had because there were multiple. Um, because after the first one, you don't think you've done anything wrong. It's been normalized. And what is a line until you've crossed it? You don't know what a line is. Once you've crossed that line, it's a very slippery slope to continue to cross those lines. So when I say I understand, I full wholeheartedly understand. But this is why from that last day of that whole synopsis of this train of trauma, I became very, very adamant about speaking about pro-life. And a lot of people didn't understand why. Each one I've had to pray about, each one I've had to talk to God about, it has been a very private journey in getting my well-being mentally, emotionally, spiritually intact. But unfortunately, people don't want to talk to young women about it. In the way that I feel we should start talking to young women about it, instead of just demonizing it or putting all of these regulations, we have to come up with some kind of understanding of the damage because it's very damaging. And when you've had one, you think you can keep having them. You don't think it's a big deal. And I genuinely think our culture has turned it into a form of, it's turned it into a form of um, contraception. Like it's, uh, you know, it's a, it's, instead of using a condom, you can just have an abortion, have an abortion, just get rid of it. It's a clump of cells, have an abortion. And it's like, no, 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 no. This is very, very serious. And we do need to discuss it. But of course, because of the two I had in my earlier years, I do believe in the later years. And that's why when someone says, well, because of rape, I've gone through it all. I've gone through it all. And I will assure you, you will regret it your whole life. There will nothing can nothing. Even if I become a mother tomorrow and I'm happily married and all is well, I'm still going to regret the three children I did not have. I love to see how there are women now standing with their babies in this industry. They're really making it something that's accepted. They're, at the time that I was part of the Pussycat Dolls, you have to understand Britney Spears was around, uh, Christina Aguilera getting pregnant. Like if you think back to that time, it was not encouraged. They made fun of Britney Spears. They tried to like say that she looked horrible. She was this, she was that. They made, they made it a bigger issue than saying, wow, she's becoming a mom and she's becoming a wife. It was actually more, is he the right guy? Is this situation going to last? Why is she having children? Why isn't she on tour? it demonized the whole process for her, which of course that affects your marriage. Of course that affects your home because it becomes this focal point just in the atmosphere for her. And the reality of it is, is that it points a finger that, you know, it's not okay to be a mom. It's not okay to be. And, and so that was really what I saw from the industry. It was not a time where we saw like people encouraging pregnancy, people encouraging motherhood at all. Well, yeah. Cause it messes with their money. Well, yeah. You know, I joined the Pussycat Dolls. I thought that it was like my dream come true, and then it wasn't, for sure. You were in the Pussycat Dolls. You were living your dream, and there must have been something that God did to get your attention. What was that turning point for you? Yeah, there were multiple things. I mean, I can't say it's just one thing. There were multiple things, but the the turning point was, you know, we're at the pinnacle. We're launching really we're launching our career and I, we were performing at divas live and 30,000 people in house it was to 30 it was, well 23 
thousand in-house. It was 30 million people that were watching on television. And, um, I was going through an abortion at the time. So people didn't understand that if you were, if you said you were pregnant or that, get rid of it. And so I was losing my baby at the time. And, um, these two little girls in the front row, cause I'm coming through the audience and Patti LaBelle singing and we're staged before our production starts. And these two little girls just <gasps> looked up and looked at me like, wow, I want to be like her. And I'm like, no way you don't want to be like me because they're looking at me the way I looked at the Spice Girls. They're looking up to me in some fashion and I have a responsibility and that was a poor representation of responsibility at that time. So I know what it is to be in that Kim Kardashian moment. You have a really big responsibility, girlfriend, man up, woman up, get your life together and stand up for people that are looking up to you because they were looking up to me and I was in no condition to think that this was okay or wise to sell to kids. That was the turning point was just before I go on stage, I'm being told how fat I am. Well, of course, because I'm pregnant and I'm going through an abortion and God comes in with two children right out of the mouth of babes to speak to me. And it really was like an aha. And then that night having an executive try to sexually assault me in the back of a car. So it was, it was just not normal. There was nothing normal about that life. And, um, or to look up to. So at that point, I was just like, what am I doing? You know, what am I doing? But how do I get out of this? And then that's really where this, that that's really where the, oh my gosh, because you've made a, you know, you've created this world that you're now in and you're a part of building, but now you don't want that, that anymore. So how do you exit without it really damaging your career? And it was, done very carefully. Uh, and a hundred percent, the Lord guided me every step of the way on how to navigate very treacherous water, because there are people that are expecting you to do your job. And maybe that's why I put so much pressure on people in the industry, because I do know, I do know. I, it's not like, I don't know. I do know you can't do it. So don't say you can't, or don't think that you can't. Yes, you can Yes, you can. You've made enough money. There is more money to be made doing the right thing and you can do it. And the piece that comes with it is priceless. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe that's why I'm very vocal to people that I see not standing up for what they should be standing up for because I've had to do it and it wasn't easy, but it was the best decision I ever made in my life. And it allowed me to have a better relationship, not only with myself and my family and my friends, but better relationship with God, which ultimately is all that matters anyway. Amen, sister. I've been so vocal about that now, but I, I don't know if I ever planned on being vocal. It wasn't something that was strategic either. I walked away from it and thought, no, I'm probably never going to talk about what I endured. A lot of, of why I think I'm speaking now is because people have tried to 
utilize making more money from what was very traumatic for me. And I also think that it's the time and the season we're in that we have to expose the stuff that goes on. And if we don't, in fact, why we're here culturally is because we have failed to do so from this industry. There are good people in the industry. There are Christians in this industry. If we don't rise up together and be and be very bold, vocal and bold about our not only our walk with the Lord, our ministry, but what we won't stand for, then we're not going to see any change. And I think we've done enough of the turn the other cheek where it's time to turn the tables over and, and be that bold for the Lord and uh, not allow his, uh, his, you know, his constitution, which is the Bible to be manipulated for man. And I think that's what's happened with uh, the Bible is it's turned into this thing where we have changed it to suit us rather than understand it's made to transform us and it's meant to transform your life. Jesus is meant to transform your life. That's why they don't want you saying the word Jesus. I was instructed throughout my career not to be specific about the God I pray to. And in fact, when I said out loud, I was on Tommy Laird's show um, and she said to me, what does it mean to be a conservative? And I said, well, I really don't know. I mean, I guess I, at the time I wasn't thinking Jesus was the only reason you could be conservative. I thought Jesus is for everyone. You don't have to be conservative. You could be a libertarian. You could be a Democrat. You could be, but I think that we're seeing like good versus evil. Now people are going so far down the rabbit hole that it's becoming pretty clear. If you love the Lord, you, you can't side with certain behavior. Now that's not to say that that you won't judge the person, but you have to not agree you can agree to disagree and go i'm not going to stand on that side of the road with you i love you i'll pray for you but i'm not going to stand with you knowing what you're purposefully do actively doing so you know because then then you're complicit to the circumstances but um i truly feel that we do have to be bold and we do have to be vocal about it because it's the industry is changing the world is changing um but god is requiring requiring us to be bold for him. He's requiring us to stand up, to be in agreement with his word and to pray for those that know not what they do. I've been there every day. I have to stop my flesh every day. So it's not holier than thou. Um, but she asked me, what does it mean to be a conservative? And I said, well, I support my country. I support our military, support our veterans, support my president. I voted for president Trump. I said that at the time. And and then I said, and I pray to Jesus. And I remember the heat that ran through my body. It was like, I was told now knowing, you know, so much about ministry and so much about the Holy Spirit. Oh yeah. That was a Holy Spirit's fire for sure. Yeah. It was a hundred percent fire from heaven that fell on me. And I didn't understand at the time. I was just kind of like, I, I knew that it was also the reality of everyone that was going to see that. So it was a bit, it was, you know, and I, I knew, okay, this is it, right? This is the beginning of the walk, right? Because I never publicly said who I prayed to, at least not on television anyway. I was never allowed to, even when I wanted to, you know, we did a celebrity ghost stories and I spoke about, because my house was haunted. I wanted to talk about Jesus and I was told not to by my assistant and publicist at the time. They said, no, talk about angels. Talk about, you believe in like, you know, a higher power. Don't talk about Jesus. And I even look back at that one episode and I'm so annoyed that I allowed someone else's opinion because I wanted to say what got me through that, why I was able to move out of that house is because I trust Jesus. You know, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, but I wasn't allowed to speak about it. And I was paying these people. So it definitely was a situation that 
when I did say who I prayed to, when I did confess Jesus, I knew it was going to be seen by a lot of people, how it was going to be revered. Um, I, I knew there were consequences with that. And there was, I, I got a phone call right away from people in the industry saying, you know, you can't walk that back. Wow. Yes. They said I couldn't walk it back. And I was like, what? I was like, this is crazy. Right. But that's pretty much what we're dealing with. And it was pretty, that was pretty scary, which was like, whoa. So you know what we're doing over here? You know who we're working for here? Um, and, you know, saying it without saying, I mean, if you're not working for the Lord, you're working for Satan. You know, that's wholeheartedly what's going on. That's truth. God really convicted me in my spirit that I had to leave, that I had to make a change and um, and focus on that change, like, immediately, which I did. Joining the Pussycat Dolls, leaving the Pussycat Dolls, and then still really not, and I always have known the Lord. Let me just preface it by saying that. It, this I feel like, you know, there was never just a moment with the Lord. I've known the Lord my whole life, and I've run away from Him and done things that you should not do like everyone else, but you eventually start stop running away from him, you know, and stop, start being obedient. Right. So that's really where the shift came and started to happen for me was not running from him and being obedient to him and his word. Um, and so even after I left the pussycat dolls and now I'm like, you know, still in the music industry, I was still, unfortunately not singing what I wanted to sing. I was still doing things that were still very secular because that was what was being pushed toward me. It was still very much, you know, secular type of music, secular type of vibe. It was constantly that kind of push. I wasn't getting the Christian songs necessarily. And then it started to happen. I prayed about it. I said, God, if you want me to sing for you, I really need to get the songs that are about you. You have to bring them to me. You have to make it possible possible. And I'm going to just trust that you will. And he did. So, and then was there someone that mentored you or helped you plug in? Well, I have my friend Chase who's passed, you know, he, he invited me to church right after that. I remember, but I mean, I was always, I would go to Oasis church in uh, Los Angeles. It was, it, I wasn't close with the pastors, but I would go I watched Paula White Kane on, you know, BET I started going to the city of destiny and she was like, you know, do you want to get baptized? And I was like, Oh my gosh. Yes. So this is my third baptism. Baptized as a baby baptized at six years old and then baptized again at 36 years old. Yeah. I was baptized when I was like a preteen, but then I got baptized again by my mom in the Jordan river. When I went to Israel, I'm like, I think I'm good for life now. I mean, nothing's going to top that. Oh no, that's pretty good. That's oh yeah. You win, you win, you win. Um, yeah. So, and then I do, I, I do home immersions. I do mikvahs at home. I do. I, I, I encourage people to do a mikvah series. If you don't know what it is, look into it. It's incredible. You repent and you talk to God privately and you write and you journal and you say, God, I just want to, for all my iniquities, all my transgressions, allow the Holy spirit to be your best friend. Amen. And you will never fail because he will lead you. But there have definitely been people in my life. Um, you know, that have changed my life. You know, I started studying with STVM and that's Rabbi Messer and his whole movement of what he's doing and teaching the Torah. And, um, you know, it's important. I mean, I do believe that the first five books are still in place. I don't, I'm not one of those Christians. It's like, Oh, you know, it's done away with. 
no, it's not. And Jesus in John 5, 45 to 47, that's what he was saying. He, he says there, um, you know, if you believed Moses and you believed the writings given to Moses, then you would believe me because he is the law. He is the word, but it's love. And it's, it's not legalistic to really revere and fear the Lord. There's nothing wrong with fearing and revering the Lord. That is the beginning of understanding the Lord because this idea that he's just this, you know, hippie, long-haired, blue-eyed guy, peace and love. That is not who Jesus is. And, and when we understand that he's a, he's a mighty man of grace, but he, you know, but he's also a mighty creator of authority and structure. And when we are walking correctly with him, you don't want to be out of line and he will convict you in real time if you let him. And there's nothing wrong with that. We don't want to be agents. We don't want to just go, Oh, all is well and follow law. Stay on the good course. But remember, God is a mighty killer. Look what he did to Pharaoh and his army when they were going after Moses. I mean, he literally turned them into fish food. And that to me is like, you want to hear savage, read the first five books of how serious God is. He does not play that is who lives inside of you. That is who your creator is. And when you realize the authority you carry, you have nothing to fear because truly greater is he that is within you than he that is within this world. First John 4, 4, you have to move with that kind of authority. So even though we know there's this treacherous ground that we have to walk through, pray for them, show them love and compassion. Do not bend to the world, but allow the word, the word to transform you. And then you really bring forward that transformation of just even not even saying or doing anything just by being who you are, because God has transformed you. It transforms people because they're like, Whoa, I want to become like that. Or what's their secret? Jesus. That's what the secret is. There's nothing else. I mean, when you, and when you follow his commandments, his roadmap, he gave us a perfect roadmap and we all think we can do it better. We can't, there is no better way when you follow it. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. So good. So true. I was thinking about when you said that God don't play. That's so true. <laughs> I mean, God don't play. I actually, and I've done messages on this too. It's good to have sensitivity to the Holy Spirit's conviction. I joke with people. I can't get away with nothing now. I go to watch a movie. I go to listen to, you know, secular music, anything like that. The Holy Spirit's quick conviction just, you know, comes and gets me. But I want to live like that. I don't want to be someone that's deceived. The Bible says the heart is easily deceived, you know, and the enemy He's very sneaky. He's a sneaky snake. He doesn't just, you know, hit you with something big. He he slides in with what you watch, what you listen to, who you, you hang out with, you know, things like that. I really want to be sensitive to that Holy Spirit's quick conviction so my heart can stay right. Because if I really go by what the culture says is okay, then yeah, exactly. I can get away with a lot, you know? And yeah, so exactly. I don't want to live by, you know, a standard that's, oh, at least I'm better than Hollywood. No, I want to live at a higher standard. Is God pleased with me or not? Is this separating me from a relationship with him? Because if it is, I don't really want any part of it. So as Christians, there's some, you know, we're going to, we should just dive into all of this conversation. You know, where do I think we are culturally? The devil is running roots. Oh yeah, girl. The devil is running these streets buck wild. Oh my gosh, you're so funny. He's running multiple industries at the same time. You know, he's gotten really far. And it's up to us to 
really be the light, you know, as Christians, if we're placed in a workspace, we're placed in a, a, you know, even when I think about when you move to a certain community, there are a lot of Christians that are like, oh, I'm the only Christian in my neighborhood, I feel, you know, because they're all doing this, stay there. You were sent for the assignment. The assignment is to shine Jesus. You're, that's your assignment. Your assignment is to be bold. Your assignment is to walk and people fall like Peter had that anointing that your shadow, which is the Holy Spirit, was just like that profound. Right. So if you're not, you know, in a, in a work setting that's filled with Christians, that's okay. You're not to be changed by who they are. You're not to be changed by the world, but you're meant to transform it. Yeah, we're meant to be the light in the darkness. Right. So you're meant to like dig in, press in, and boom, you're to meant to shift that atmosphere. Yes. I mean, God brought me across the country to do the same thing. He put me in a place where, you know, the culture was different. Everything was different. Nothing familiar. Sometimes very uncomfortable. But I've watched him use me to change and shift the atmosphere. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, and that's what it's supposed to be because... That when you're in alignment with Jesus, that's the thing too, is when we're in alignment with Jesus, our, our skin tone doesn't matter. Our address doesn't matter. Our bank account doesn't matter. What we drive doesn't matter. The, the social, you know, pressures or the, you know, how many followers you have, it doesn't matter when you're in true alignment with Jesus and right. having fellowship with other Christians, it really should be on that higher plane. It should never be. Well, I'm a black Christian. I'm a white Christian. I'm a Latino Christian. I believe, you know, in, uh, you know, Catholicism versus Christianity or Messianic Jew versus I'm, you know, uh, biblical Torah. I mean, it doesn't matter if you have the route to Jesus, he's going to make sure that his, his children find him. There's a bride, then there's the bridal party. So how, how much are you willing to dig in as Christians? Are you willing to go deeper? Are you willing to keep the Sabbath? Are you willing to give up the pagan idolatry? There are things that we got to do to get to him, but it's a process. It's not over. And we are to exactly be this. You're to walk in confidence. You're to walk in faith. You're to walk in obedience and change. And by just osmosis of atmosphere, shift that atmosphere you're put in. And I realized that now because I walked away from the dolls because it was unbearable. Had I pressed in further, I don't think it would have changed anything because the Holy Spirit did show me that I was not going to live if I stayed. Wow. Yeah. So I know that it's not something that all the time is the case. When you listen to God, sometimes he says, get out of where you are. You don't fit where you are and nothing's going to change. And I've given up on this area. And that's where that wisdom and discernment that Christians need comes in, you know, without discernment, I don't know how Christians are going to make it these days. I mean, where they're calling good evil and evil good. It's crazy. Yeah. And you know, because you were in that Hollywood industry, you know, yeah. Um, recently the whole Playboy documentary came out and, and the truth was coming out with all these women that are now like in their forties or, you know, fifties, sixties, you know, and they're talking about what really happened, how Hugh Hefner was a pedophile basically. And he basically would drug up all these women and sleep with them. And, and that was part of, you know, the prerequisite to even be in Playboy. Right. And I'm sure that you have the similar story. It wasn't just you singing and dancing. There's more to it, right? There's a darker side to it. There is a darker side to it. You know, and I, now that I think about it and I never thought about it before, I mean, I was asked to do Playboy when I was like 17 or 18 years old and I was just 
coming into the Pussycat Dolls. Um, and then after I left the Pussycat Dolls, being asked to do Playboy again, and I turned it down every single time. And it's crazy that like we've culturally become so obsessed with the Kim Kardashians of the world, you know, and that whole family. <laughs> Not me. But a lot of people have, and I would have been that. Like that was an easy ticket. I mean, you pose for Playboy, you do something very scantily clad with yourself and but that's not to say that like I have you know again like I haven't done things that I'm not proud of in life but I'm constantly reevaluating my walk with God and it being about him and when you're aligning yourself with a company such she as right so she's aligning herself with this company and brand that is showing us what they're into there is no time to have a discussion you don't need to take a beat this is why would you guys choose to use this to sell a product? What does that have to do with a bag? What does that have to do, you know, with a pair of shoes? You're showing something that you're calling it artistic and they label it art so that you get away with the fact that it's pedophilia. If you did not have an artistic vision behind it, it was just a, you know, there's a no name. That photo without Balenciaga is pedophilia. When you put Balenciaga across it, somehow it's fashion. I'm sorry, it's pedophilia. Oh, yeah, of course, that was very intentional. Oh, it's strategic. I mean, let's be quite honest. Like, and I think about this, like, you know, the, the makeup artist, the hairstylist, you know, the lighting guy, you show up, a kid of four years old is laid across the couch. There's wine glasses and bondage gear. What part of this goes... Oh, you know, this is a good idea. You grab the kid and you get out of there. That's what you do. You know, I created a brand when I left the Pussycat Dolls called Hollywood Doll. And I worked with a lot of junior models and kids and, you know, teenagers. Everything about the brand was to keep it as pure to kids as possible because I was coming from something that was so sexualized that I wanted to make something that wasn't. At the time, my designer, you know, I was being influenced by the industry. At the time, my designer was, you know, we could do the first trans Barbie doll. We could do the first, like, these were things that were being discussed. And I was going with it. And then God really convicted me to not go in that direction. And that's where you realize, like, you can shift it. You can change this. Even though, you know, she might be getting paid a lot of money, pick a different brand, create a different brand. You have the money to do it. This is where Christians need to stand up and say, let's create these cool things. And then as conservative Christians, now we need the funding. So stop paying for the things that you don't align with and complaining about it. Money is speech. Start supplying for those that are doing the good thing, that are making the cute outfits, that are Christian, that are conservative, or at least Judea Christian, that are hitting the mark when it comes to your values. Right. Because there are ton I could name a ton of designers right now that are my friends that are Christian that don't have the funding because, you know, they just haven't been able to meet the right people. I'm thinking, but there's tons of Christian conservatives that would want to fund this. The problem is, is that they're so conservative. They don't want to help those that are in that same bubble as them as far as like ideas, especially for your family. But this is where we need to be not so conservative that we don't help one another. We need to help each other. That's how communities survive is helping one another. Yes. As a Christian small business owner, I say amen to that. 
I would rather support small businesses, especially Christian-owned businesses, than a Target, a Disney, Kohl's. Yeah. You know, the Holy Spirit is really calling us to live a life of quick conviction because there's so much demonic things out there right now. I mean, the movies, the music, the indoctrination, all of it. And, you know, I don't even have cable anymore, Netflix. I mean, I can't even watch anything without a huge check in my spirit, you know, turn this off. I mean, the other night I was watching something that was super innocent on ABC. And, you know, these commercials were all super woke, you know, celebrating godless perversion. They have an agenda. You used to have to turn to a specific channel to watch something, you know, demonic or sexualized. But now, you know, these commercials, they just shove it down your throat. It's like, surprise. And what it is, is they want us to become desensitized. Ultimately, the entertainment industry wants to normalize perversion and sin. That's their ultimate goal. And you know, this is a spiritual war. It's a spiritual battle that we're in. It's, it's, it's getting, and that's the problem is when we don't take a stand, you know, you don't know what a line is until you've crossed it. But if you take a stand and say, I'm not allowing you to cross this line, you've crossed the line. They've crossed the line a million times. And the issue at hand is that we're pretty much just so, well, it's okay. Well, it won't, but now, now the line is here. So, and then you're wondering why the line is here, but you've allowed it to get to this point because you didn't stand on what you should have stood on and said, I'm not allowing this for my kids. I'm not allowing it in my home. I'm not allowing it. There are more of us than there are of this other narrative. And even though it's being pushed that there's more of the other side than there are Christians, Judeo-Christians, and you even see the Muslim community starting to really want to stand up for their, their even radical behavior within that culture. There are so many good people on this planet that are really walking toward the light, walking toward, and if you're moving in love, you're moving with Jesus. So they're moving with Jesus, whether they've confessed him or not, they will. They're moving with the light. They're moving with Jesus. And that to me is where we got to go. You know what? We need to bind together. We need to stand firm on what's right and what's wrong. It, whether it's humanitarian issues, whether it's cultural issues, but definitely when it comes to kids, I'm not a mother yet, but I am an aunt and I have tons of friends that have kids and I help with our children's ministry. And I, it breaks my heart when I see certain things. Cause I'm just like, how is this okay? Like, how is this okay? And stop sending your children to these schools because they're basically indoctrination camps that are getting kids into all sorts of things. And then, but you're, for it you're paying for it so everything you've taught your kid is going to be untaught right so that they can teach them something else that you don't agree with and then you're wondering why your child is turning out a certain way or something's right. happening with them get them out of there get them out of there that's why we're to pray for people and to exude the love of jesus like exude it and i mean it comes with a high price. A lot of people don't want to pay that price because do you get attacked? Yeah, you get spiritually attacked. Do you constantly have to resist your flesh? Of course you do. It's not only outside of us, it's inside of us. We have to constantly fight against the enemy, but the enemy is spiritual. And the problem is, is that it manifests in the physical, but if we're not dealing with it on a spiritual level, we're not going to be able to combat this thing because you've got to be prayed up. You've got to be fasted up. You've got to start taking it seriously. It is our responsibility to pray for our family it's not just go to our pastor and go okay well the pastor's got it covered it's not right those days are done 
Yes. I mean, the pastor is just an imperfect man, you know. He might not even be speaking truth or leading his flock with discernment. So your favorite pastor, your favorite musician, your favorite minister, you know, your favorite author cannot be your only source. We need to get in our word. We need to pray. And like you said, we need to be suited up with our spiritual armor on. Truly, exactly. When you know the, which is why when I started going to Hebrew Bible school, a lot of people were like, you know, even now there are people that are like, okay, so when is it, you know, when is it over for your school? Now, I don't know if I'm going to stay in this program for the rest of my life, but I do know that for the rest of my life, I have to study God. So for, for the rest of your life, you're studying him. It's not, oh, I just got a little bit. It's every single day, picking up your cross, following him every single day, taking, you know, remembering him, whether it's, you know, grape juice or a piece of your, um, you know, you can take the wafer. I do, uh, matzah. I have my mom, <laughs> I have my matzah. Your matzah cracker. Yeah, I do it every day. So since then, God has opened up doors for you to record music that glorifies him. Unfortunately, it just didn't happen like that, where you get the music that you want to sing. And I wanted to work for him right away. It didn't, it didn't come that way. It was a lot of, it was a lot of uphill climb and battle to get to the point of finally being able to do the Jason Crab album and winning a Grammy singing for the Lord and all of that, like that there were things that had to happen and it was a process and it still is right. My walk with God is still an active everyday process. Now I'm just very much, I'm, I know what I'm about. I feel like I finally fit as we all have a story and our stories are important. They mold who we are. And ultimately when, when you're given a platform, we need to know, you know, about you, like, how did you get to this point? And so for me, it was a journey. It was, but God had me every step of the way. Slowly but surely, I've been able to have like material and music that is for the Lord, that is about him and focused on the the greater is he that is within you than he does within the world. It's been a journey, but, but a good one. When is your new music dropping? We have a whole bunch of new music that's coming out in the new year. I'm still recording. We have Go Through the Father to Get to Me, Lita, which stands for Love is the Answer. We have Go Through the Father is actually going to be, it's going to be a film. So we have that for a film. Royal, uh, The Devil is a Liar. That's another one. Yes, he is. I like it. Yeah, yeah, he is. I think a lot of people are going to love that one. When we heard the beat, it was really funny. I knew right away. I was like, that's a devil's a liar. And, uh, even my co-writer was like, no, I know it's too, it's too smooth. It's too like, you know, it, it had this very, it had this very sexy undertone of a beat. And I was like, but that's exactly what the devil is about. He would have this, it would be smooth. It would be this, it would be that, you know, that is the whole point. So, um, I think we went with the right, uh, you know, track of choice when it came to writing that one but that one god has really put me through a lot this year to write this album so i'm just excited that i'm finally getting to share his uh you know his pouring into me time so that's that's really it's good yeah well kaya it's been so good having you on today do you have any last words before we wrap up you know, focusing on the Lord now and this whole journey, I do feel really blessed that I'm able to share on a larger scale the message of Jesus, because that's really what it's about. It's not really about Kaya 
or any of the things that I've gone through or the pussycat dolls, but God will use all things for his glory. So I feel really great that he's managed to take all of my mess of, of, of crazy, you know, that I've been through and truly turn it into something amazing. He'll never lead you incorrectly. That would be my message. Um, in closing is like, follow the Lord, whatever God tells you you need to do, follow him. Don't lose sight of him. He will guide you. Even if it makes no sense, even if, you know, literally, I mean, I tell people, you could tell me the sky is blue. I could go outside and I see the sky is blue. But if God says it's not, don't rely on elsewhere, someone else's wisdom. Don't rely on yours. Rely on him. Amen. It, it's hard to do that. It's hard to do that. Um, but he's put me through some of that this year where what it looks like and what I've been told is not actually what has come to fruition. So listen to God. That's it. That's I'm so exciting. <laughs> Amen. It's all about Jesus, your story for his glory. I'm so excited to follow you on this journey, Kaya, to see all God has for you. You're a beautiful, shining light from the inside out. Where do you see yourself in the next five, you know, 10 years? Definitely being a mom, definitely being a wife, definitely um, doing more films, um, still recording music, maybe doing, like, I love cooking. I love writing. Um, some more things building the kingdom for sure, focusing on, you know, serving, um, however God wants to utilize me. He, he owns my life. I told him that, um, wherever he wants to send me, whatever he needs me to do, I'm here for him. So that's it. So good. I'm here to support you every step of the way. Would you just end us in prayer today? Yeah, I would love to. Oh my gosh. Thank you. I usually do it in Hebrew and then in English, but, um, yeah, Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad, Baruch Shem Kavon, Melchuta, Le'olam, Baye, Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, blessed be the name of his glorious kingdom forever and ever, amen, that's Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 9, so God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we just exalt you, we praise you, we thank you for everything that you're doing, we thank you for my sister who has brought me on today, thank you for her opening up her platform to her followers to uh, hear my testimony, which is about you, Father God. We're grateful for every breath that we have, every opportunity that you've put forward in our lives. We ask you to pour forward abundance and um, prosperity, Father, of what what we need to do in, in better serving you and how we can better be children of you and um, how we can better show the world who you are. And especially times where people are so confused as to who you are, or what you look like or what you are, give us the notion to be better, be better to show your love, your grace and your compassion for that's what it's about. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. And father, whoever is listening today, if they're whatever they're going through, we know that, you know, your children, we know that, you know, what their, their needs are. So whatever their needs are, father, let them be met right now. Let them know that they have the authority over every principality and every iniquity, every transgression that has come forward in their life, that they can take it captive through the blood of Jesus, which is when they accept you and just say, I accept, I accept you. And I want you to transform my life. And I become a slave to you, Jesus. And I will lay down my life for you. And lead me. So father, just give your children that extra unction to know that they can come to you at any time that they don't need to know how to pray, that they don't need to necessarily have a church until 
they're ready to to swim with other fellow uh, you know and fellowship and, and understand what it is to be with a, a body of Christ. But you know, I, as you know, Father, I just had my Bible in you, and that was enough for many many years. So bless those that are listening, Father. Take care of them. Send your angels forward, Father, from the north, the south, the east, and the west, and anything that's trying to come against whatever it is that they're working on for you, and especially for my sister here and her program. Let it be abundant. Let it reach many, many, many people and be part of transforming many lives as which it already has. We know that father and um, protect it. We ask you to bind any kind of demonic influence that's operating in the atmosphere of everyone that's listening their lives. And we ask you to lose forth the blessing. And especially because they're obedient to your word, father, God, you said that. So as, as we are obedient comes forth the blessing. So we just thank you. We exalt you. We praise you in the mighty name of Yeshua HaMashiach. We pray. Amen. Amen. Wow, that was a prayer. Okay, talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Bye. Make sure to subscribe to get all the blog and podcast updates at leahmariecarson.com. Follow on Instagram at The Lens of Faith. And be sure to subscribe to The Lens of Faith podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Google. Remember, friends, life becomes clearer when you focus through the lens of faith. Talk to you soon.